Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Uh, this week, we're in week two of our series about spiritual power, spiritual authority, how we walk in those things. Uh, last week, I taught out of Matthew chapter 13 on the parable of the sower. Maybe you're familiar with that. That's where the seed gets scattered along the path. And there's four types of soil. There's the hard ground, and it represents the hard heart. Uh, This is the heart that doesn't accept the word. There's the the shallow ground. That's the shallow heart. That's the one that accepts the word with emotions, but there's no depth. God's called us to go deep. Amen? So he wants to soften our hearts. He wants to deepen our hearts. Then there's the crowded soil. That's the crowded heart. Uh, That's the one where there's different competition for our affections. Does that resonate with anybody? Like you love Jesus, but you've just got internal competition. Uh, And we talked about how we can pray through that. We've all got that. And then there's the fertile heart. That's the goal. That's the, where, that's the place where, where God's word grows and uh, it, it moves in power in our life, amen? And so last week we talked about the power of hearing, hearing the word, letting it take root. This week we're gonna talk about the power of obedience. Everybody say obedience. I think I wrote five sermons this week preparing for this. And so there's a lot of ground that I'm not going to be able to cover. I wish I had an hour and a half, but some of you guys are like, I'm glad you don't. And so I've got, I got a half hour. And so we're going to get into some of it. This is not going to be an exhaustive covering, uh, but I'm going to try to do my best. But my, my core belief when it comes to obedience is that obedience to the word of God brings us as humans into our fullest potential. Everybody say potential. Uh, God has a plan for us. He has a way that he wants us to live. And there's, there's a quote that I heard uh, earlier this year. It was a book that I read. It said, rightly ordered hearts lead to rightly ordered lives. Rightly ordered hearts lead to rightly ordered lives. That means that our affections, the thing that we desire, come in line with the way that God has designed us to live. And so there's a lot of different perspectives when it comes to obedience, okay? There's the moralistic perspective, which says, if I do right, therefore I am right, okay? There's the secularistic perspective that says, hey, if I have the right character traits, therefore I'm in the right place. But then there's there's God perspectives that, that says, hey, we're, we're unable to live up even to our own moral code. We're unable to be consistent fully to the character we want to have. And so what God offers is a renewed heart, a renewed life based on the work of Jesus, and then we can walk in obedience. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today is how does that work with the Old Testament law, the work of Jesus, and now what God's called us to as New Testament, New Covenant. That is a really churchy, theological way to say, in light of the work of Jesus, how do we now interact with the Bible, okay? And so I'm gonna do my best. I've got 30 minutes, and so I'm gonna pray. And before I do that, go go to Matthew chapter five, and we're gonna jump into it. Matthew chapter five verse 17 through 19, verse 17 through 19. This is uh, close to the beginning of something called the Sermon on the Mount. Many consider this to be Jesus' greatest teaching. This is some of the most difficult and challenging moral teaching in the entirety of the scripture. And so maybe you've heard these, it starts with the Beatitudes. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Maybe you're familiar with that. Okay, right after that, we come to Matthew 5, 17. Here's what it says. It says, don't misunderstand why I have come. 
I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. No, I've come to accomplish their purpose. Everybody say accomplish. I've not come to abolish, I've come to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches others to do the same will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness, this is so challenging, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Today, we're gonna talk about the power of obedience in the plan of Jesus. And so let me pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's powerful, God, that it's effective. God, that it brings about life in us. God, we pray that today as we search it out, God, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, God, that, that you would deliver your word to our hearts. God, help us grow. Uh, help us walk more and more in your grace and help us walk more and more in your plan. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Uh, who, who in here grew up with siblings? Okay. Any, any only children in the room? Any, okay, a couple. I see you guys. I see you guys. Uh, I, I grew up, I was the youngest of three. Uh, I have two uh, older sisters. Uh, Leah is the middle sister. Laura is, is the eldest, and so I was baby brother, okay? And so Laura, my, my oldest sister, uh, she was amazing. Uh, if I was getting spanked, she, she was the protector. She would get in between me and my parents and say, don't spank him, spank me. And I would say, yes, spank her. Uh, my, my middle sister broke the mold. A lot of times the middle sister or the middle child's like the rebellious, the troubled child. She was the perfect child, okay? We, we called her the angel child, the favorite. And me and my, my sister would gang up on her and we would beat her up. Uh, <laughs> that's how you know we're, we're born sinful, right? Kids, right? Uh, and so... As Leah got older, Leah is, is beautiful. My middle sister is beautiful. She's gorgeous. I wish I had a photo to show of her. Uh, however, uh, <laughs> she, she went through some awkward years. Come on. Where are my people at who went through awkward years? I went through some awkward years too. Uh, and, and Leah had, if you've seen my daughter, my daughter Georgia just has the curliest like ringlet hair. And my sister Leah has the same thing. And so my mom carved that into a beautiful blonde afro, okay? She had a beautiful blonde afro and, and she was cross-eyed. And so she was born with really bad vision. She was cross-eyed. I am not condoning this. I'm just sharing the information, okay? Her friends in elementary school, you think you had a bad nickname. They called her Fluffy the Cockeyed Wombat. <laughs> it's the most brutal nickname that I've ever heard. I do not condone bullying. It is not okay. Again, I'm just giving you the information, letting you into our life growing up. And so... Leah had struggles, okay? She had some challenges. She got through. She has blossomed, okay? She's amazing. Uh, but she got into baking, okay? She, she wasn't very athletic. She made okay grades, but she got into baking, and she started baking cakes, and my mom acted like she was Martha Stewart, okay? And she was like, oh, Leah, this cake, oh, so moist. Leah, how did you do it, you know? She's like 10, I'm 7. And I, it's kind of making my blood boil, you know, the fact that she's getting attention. I'm like, this chocolate cake is not that good. And so 
One night again, she'd baked the cake for the family. Everybody's watching the family movie. I went in to get a slice of cake, and I also grabbed the Tabasco sauce, and I just doused her prized chocolate cake in Tabasco sauce. And so I'm sitting there just waiting for somebody to go in there and get a bite. And gloriously, it's her. My sister Leah goes in, and I hear like the, the, the knife against the plate as she's getting her piece. I hear the spoon scrape. I, I, I hear, you know, she's taking a bite, and I hear, because she's turned on the, uh, the stinking uh, water. You know, she's gulping water down, okay? She's just gotten a mouthful of chocolate cake and Tabasco. I have ruined her cake. And I'm gleeful. I'm laughing so hard I fall out of the recliner, you know. And then my mom gets a hold of me quickly. And she, she doesn't beat me within an inch of my life, which I did deserve. She, she brought me to the kitchen table. She put the entire chocolate cake in front of me like the scene from Matilda. <laughs> and she tells me I have to eat the entire thing. Three quarters of this full cake is left. I'm crying. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I, I probably ate half this cake. And so she left me there for two to three hours. She would not let me leave the table. My mom is a savage, okay? Like, my mom is not messing around. And so finally, it was like 10, 1030 at night. And she's like, are you sorry for what you did? I said, yes, I'm sorry. She's like, if you ever do it again, I'll kill you. She didn't actually say that, but that's what I heard, you know. Uh, Y'all, Christians are good at ruining things, right? We're good at ruining things. We we love to criticize companies who who don't hold our ethics, and we try to hold them to our ethical standard. Uh, I I also think that we have this propensity as human beings to to move towards being religious with anything that we do. Uh, When you look at uh, the, the plan And the way that God designed the scripture, he designed it to bring life, but so often that's not people's experience when they interact with us and we talk about the ways that God would have us live. And I believe one of the reasons for that is that we we try to put ethical standards on people who don't believe the same way that we do, uh, who who, who don't want to be like Jesus, but then we, we try to force them to act this way. And I think one of the number one areas where, where we as Christians ha- ha- have ruined one of the ways of God is in the area of obedience. You know, we have taken something that's supposed to be for our liberty and we've turned it into a chain, something that binds people. We've made a chain, not a way of life that liberates. And I genuinely believe, I genuinely believe that Following the ways of Jesus brings about the, the ultimate experience of life that someone can have. Now, I'm not talking about uh, necessarily wealth. I'm not talking about not having problems. I'm talking about having a rich and congruent inner and outer life. What do I mean by that? That means that who you are on the inside, you don't have to pretend that you're not that. You can find security in, in the person of Jesus, and then you can live out of that, and you can find freedom, and you can find hope. But so often, church is the number one place where people feel like they can't be who they really are. 
If you read the scripture, Jesus was surrounded by people who were rejected by the religious elite, but who were loved by Christ. And what's interesting is every time he interacts with these people that the religious people didn't want to interact with, those people accept the call to obedience and they try to walk out the ways that God would have them live. Y'all, there's story after story of people who are prostitutes people who are the lowest of society, who God restores their life through the work of Jesus. They feel seen, they feel loved, they feel accepted. And then Jesus almost always says the exact same thing. He says, I love you, I accept you, go and sin no more. How do we reconcile? This is my, my, my question for you this morning. How, how do we reconcile the, the call of God to follow the ways of God, but our absolute inability Ability to actually follow through and get it done. Anybody in the house want to say, hey, I relate to that? How, how, do, how do we reconcile this? Well, one thing that I want to start with is I believe that Jesus, and the scripture points to it right here, Matthew 7 17, Jesus didn't abolish the call to holiness, he accomplished the call of holiness. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Yo, one of the most consistent charges brought against Jesus was that he had a low view of the scripture. He had a low view of the scripture. He, he had conflict with the religious leaders of the day over things like Sabbath, the main point is this, is that the Sabbath wasn't giving, given to us as something that we have to do. The Sabbath was given to us as something that would liberate us and would actually bring about life in us. A lot of times when we look at the verdicts of God, we look at it as something like, oh, I have to do, I have to, I have to. And, and what God is saying and what Jesus is saying is actually we get to, as we live in this, we come to experience the fullness of life. So he had conflict with the religious leaders over the Sabbath. That's in Matthew chapter 12. He had conflict over what defiles. The law says there's certain foods that defiles, but Jesus said it's actually what flows from the heart that defiles had conflict on how to deal with sin. There was a woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. The, the religious leaders brought her to him to stone. The law said that they could stone her, but Jesus said, whoever's without sin, cast the first stone. As we get into the teachings of Jesus, a lot of times when we look at him, we think, hey, he's done away with the law, but Jesus actually escalated the law. He said that the law says if you if you the law says not to murder. He said, but if you hate your brother in your heart, you, you've committed murder. He says the law says don't commit adultery, but if you lust after someone in your heart, you've committed adultery. Why? It's not just behavior modification God is after, but He's after true heart transformation. God doesn't want us to just aim at the minimum. Y'all listen to me. We could come up with a list of rules and laws and ways to keep them and then additional rules and laws to help you not fall into those different sins. And we could say, hey, all of you guys have to follow these things. But here's what we know from history. This is what the Jewish people did. This would not actually change your heart. You would just start modifying your behavior. God, God is trying to get at something deeper. This is the work that Jesus came to do. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law, 
but to fulfill the law. Let's talk about the law a little bit. Uh, I find that this is one of the most misunderstood areas of the scripture uh, for Christians, even for myself. This is something that as I've walked, as I've studied, the light bulb has come on. I want to share with you guys some of the things that I've learned. Michael Monroe, are you back there? Will you stand up? Y'all look at Michael. What do you notice about Michael? Let's see your arms, your neck. Take your shirt off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Michael is covered head to toe in tattoos, Right. But the scripture says that the people of God are not to get tattoos. So how do we reconcile? I have one on my ribs. Don't ask me what it means. I want to talk about it. I got it when I was 18. How do we reconcile that there are certain things God's called us to do? Women, I noticed that a lot of you in the church don't have your heads covered. All right? We're going to talk about that afterwards. Why? Why are there certain things in the scripture that we that we, that we keep and that we teach and other things that we don't. It's because there's distinctions in the type of laws that God gave us. There's something called ceremonial law. Ceremonial laws, th- these were laws on how we were to do sacrifices, how, how we were approached to, to approach the holiness of God. And so God gave us different sacrificial rules and different sacrificial things that we were supposed to do. But y'all, Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law. Let me, let me read this to you in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, under the old covenant... The priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, that's Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. So we're no longer bound to certain ceremonial laws. You know, if you go and you look at the New Testament, there were certain ceremonial things that the apostles from, from Peter to Paul to different teachers would say, hey, these are the things that you don't need to do in your community. You know, there were certain things that were happening in specific communities. And so our job as we look at the law is to say, is this a moral law? The moral law of God stays consistent. Or is this a ceremonial law? Or there's a third type that uh, we as Protestants have come up with to delineate, it's the civil law. Everybody say civil law. So civil law was laws that they came up with uh, for them as a nation. Remember, God created the nation of Israel to be his people, and so they had civil laws to help them stay in line with the moral edicts of God. Here's what this would look like with the civil laws. It would look like us saying, okay, since they do this over in another country, we here in America are going to try to force these exact same laws in place. Does this make sense? So you have the ceremonial law. This is the ways that we become right with God. You have the civil law. This is uh, like governmental organization, but then you have the moral law of God. You know, the moral law of God is perfectly summed up like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There were certain things that, that Jesus fulfilled, and he actually fulfilled the moral law, but the moral law stays consistent for us. The Greek word for fulfill, uh, actually, if you, if you get in, the, the Greek word for abolish, I didn't come to abolish the law, but fulfill the law, is kataleo, which means to dismantle, destroy a building or institution with reference to an authoritative text. It means to declare that it's no longer valid to repeal it or annul it. Jesus is saying, I didn't come to dismantle or destroy the law, but to fill it. The law, the writings of Moses, and the prophets. You know, if we look at the Old Testament, 
Jesus not only perfectly kept the ceremonial law, he not only perfectly kept the moral law and the civil law, he not only perfectly fulfilled those laws, but he fulfilled the stories of the Old Testament as well. Think about Joseph. Maybe you know the story of Joseph and and the coat of many colors. Jesus was favored by his father. He was rejected by his brothers. And through his rejection, he brought about the salvation of the people around him. Joseph in the Old Testament, he was sold in slavery by his brothers. He went to the nation of of Egypt and he provided food for his brothers in a time of famine. Jesus is the truer Joseph. Jesus is the truer and the better Moses. Moses was a mediator between God and his people and he led his people through the desert. He led them through the Red Sea out of slavery. Jesus is the better Moses. He leads us out of slavery to sin and death. You're familiar with the story of David. David went and met Goliath on the battlefield of single soldier combat. The way that this worked in the Old Testament times was that each army would send a soldier and say, whichever of our soldiers wins, the other army, the victorious army, gets to consider that victory theirs. David met Goliath on the battlefield. Jesus met the Goliath of sin and death on the battlefield, and he won the victory for all of us. So we now, as the people of Jesus, get to walk in this victory. Jesus fulfilled every aspect of the Old Testament law and the stories and the prophets so that we could walk in the fullness of life. Okay, that's a lot of teaching. We got through it. (laughs) What is the application for us? Question, has anyone done anything in this past week that they wish they hadn't done? Come on, where are my Jesus followers at? You sinned this morning, all right? Like me, put my hand up. You got a t-shirt that says, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little bit, all right? Some of you guys have the bumper sticker and the tattoo. Michael. What's the application for us, y'all? Because of the work of Jesus, we are not saved by our moral behavior. We're saved for moral behavior. We're not saved by moral behavior. We're saved for moral behavior. This is the opposite of religion. Religion says if you do right, you'll be right. The gospel of Jesus says because Jesus did right, you have right standing before God, and now out of that strength, you can seek to live like Jesus. Yo, we all have goals, right? We all have things we're aiming at. I hope we all have goals. But usually the difference between those who achieve their goals and and the ones who don't are the ones who achieve it genuinely believe that they can get it done right? Like somewhere in there, there's enough crazy in you and you're like, I can achieve this goal. This thing is impossible, but I believe I can do it. When you believe you can, you're less likely to give up no matter how many times you fail. One of the greatest misunderstandings of our faith is that we have to achieve personal holiness on our own. 1 Peter 3, 13 through 16, it says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope, everybody say all your hope. All your hope, everybody say all your hope. Put all of your hope in the gracious salvation that comes when Jesus Christ is received and revealed to the world. So, everybody say so. You must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back to your old ways of satisfying your own sinful desires. You didn't know any better then. 
But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. You'll listen to me. Obedience to the word is not achieved by willpower, but by God's power. Personal holiness is not achieved on your own, but in partnership with Jesus, in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say this with me. Because he is, I am. Everybody say it again. Because he is, I am. Jesus has won this for us. This is what he's won for us. Put this up, Romans chapter six, verse 11. It says, likewise, you also, everybody say reckon. I picked this version just because I wanted y'all to, to say, that's a good Arkansas word. <laughs> reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, another translation is consider yourselves dead to sin. That doesn't mean that you fully are. It means when you think about yourself, you consider yourself as dead to sin and alive to Jesus. Okay, how does this play out and how does this help us in the area of personal holiness? My daughter, two years old, the cutest thing on the entire planet. Uh, Callie was telling me about this. This week she was with her cousin Ella and they were playing princesses. And my princess loves tigers and monsters and dinosaurs and loves to go rawr. If you see her after service, do it. I promise you, she'll roar at you. And so they were dressed up like princesses. And Ella goes, I a princess. And Georgia goes, I a princess. Rawr. Right? She doesn't fully get it, but she's aspiring. Yo, this is something that C.S. Lewis called good pretending. Everybody say good pretending. Bad pretending is simply hypocrisy. It's when we pretend to be something that we're not. Good pretending is when we, is when we practice who we already are in Christ Jesus legally and positionally. We practice who we are already in Christ Jesus legally and positionally and who we one day will be in Christ morally and perfectly. You know, good pretending is a way that we use our imaginations to help us walk in holiness. Bad pretending is a substitute for reality. Good pretending is when the pretense leads to reality. It's what children do when they pretend to be grown-ups, right? They pretend to be grown-ups so that at one point they can be. Y'all, what if, this is what I want to give to you. This is something I've been practicing since I discovered this. What if you started imagining yourself the way that Christ sees you? What if you started imagining yourself as someone who can overcome the sin that you've been battling? What if you started imagining yourself somebody who's capable of being loving and kind and generous? And then through that imagination, you went and attempted to live that way, knowing that you have the grace of Jesus always to fall back on. What if you could pretend yourself in to being. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Likewise, reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. Consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to Christ our Lord. This is what children do when they pretend, and it's what Christians do in our pilgrim condition. This is people who are headed towards the ultimate plan of God when we're told to do the word. Imagine how you would live if you believe that no, how, that no matter how many times you fail, you could one day get there because you had the help and the security of a relationship with Jesus. Y'all, true freedom is found in obedience to God. True freedom is found in obedience to God. 
Uh, how many of you guys, when you were teenagers, wanted to move out of the house? How many of you guys are teenagers and you want to move out of the house? <laughs> I moved out when I was 19 so I could have more freedom, right? I said to my family, I said, I, I need more freedom than you offer me here. I want to honor more than you want me to honor. I need to get out of here. I, I, I want to live more completely. I want to live more honestly. I, I want to get out of the house. That is not what we say, right? But how often do we run from God because we convince ourselves that we will find more freedom away from him? Yo, but what we know, we know this in our secular society, we know this within our own hearts, is that we, what we aspire to be is somebody who's honest, who's open, who's who they truly are. Y'all, this is what Jesus offers us. When Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to accomplish the law, he did that so that we could walk in this fullness, so that we could walk in this full freedom. He is, therefore, I am. Say it with me. He is. Therefore, I am. Where's all this going? Got a couple minutes left. Our appetite for obedience, and man, I wish I had another hour because this is so fun. So you're just going to have to keep coming in future weeks. We'll, we'll talk more about this. Our appetite for obedience is directly correlated to our view of the word, to the word of God. This is the place that we learn the edicts of God, the way that we should live. You know, let's just assume for today. I don't know what you believe. I don't know where you're at. Some of you guys, you may be in here and you're like, dude, I have no interest in the scripture. But let's assume. This is my challenge for you this week. Let's assume that what it says is true and that in it are the secrets to living a full and fulfilled life. Let's not put the scripture on trial, but let's allow it to put us on trial. Are we who we want to be? Does the Bible hold the keys to life? Jordan Peterson, some of you guys maybe have listened to him. He said this, he said, we can't write off the Bible as a list of unimportant stories, but as a book which holds the answers to the keys of life. My last point is this, is the word is the filter for our formation. The word is the filter for our formation. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Teaching, it reveals to us the new possibilities of life in the kingdom of wholeness in the life of Jesus. It's what it teaches us. It rebukes us. Everybody say rebuke. It reveals to us the ways that we're living out of alignment with the wholeness that we find in Jesus. Correcting, this brings us back into alignment with the wholeness we find in Jesus and then training. So the word of God is useful for teaching. That's showing us the possibilities for rebuking. This is showing us where we're out of alignment with the wholeness of Christ. For correcting, to bring us back into alignment and for training. Uh, has anybody been to Costco yet? A couple of hands. I haven't been yet. Y'all ever seen a Costco strawberry? They're the greatest strawberries in the history of strawberries. They're the size of baseballs. There's no soggy spots. I don't know how Costco does it, 
but I'm in. All right, I'm in on a Costco strawberry. You know, what God wants to do, when you see a Costco strawberry, that is the fullness and the embodiment of all a strawberry could ever be. What God wants to do in you through the aiding of the Holy Spirit, through the guide of the word, is he wants to bring you into the fullness of life for what you could be. Y'all, for me, so often, I'm like a great value strawberry, okay? When I look at myself, I'm like, if Dollar General stole strawberries, that'd probably be me. But God, what God wants us to do is God wants us to help, help us walk into the fullness of what life can be. Ah. Uh, this last word, training, it's pedia. That's the Greek word for the overall process of growth in a Greco-Roman child from birth to adulthood to, to a place of full formation from the training of a parent or tutor. Another translation for this word is verse 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Another one is that so the servant of God may be complete in Christ for every good work. Now listen, this, this is my encouragement to you. I know we covered a lot of ground. We had a lot of different ideas. Obedience to the ways of God will bring us into the life that God intended for us. Obedience to the ways of God. This is what I want to submit to you. This is what I found in my life. I am not able to do it. I'm not able to do it. But Christ has. And Christ has given me a position with God and he's given me an inner value system. Listen to me. He's given me an inner value system that says I am not defined by my own ability to live up to my own moral code or other people's moral code, but I am defined by my full and complete relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus. And so when I come to church, I just want you to hear from your pastor, from me. I don't stand there and think, I am so righteous surrounded by all these sinners. I can't wait to get up here and teach them the word. I stand there. I say, thank you, God, that you sent me Jesus who died on a cross that I deserved so that I could sit here and have peace with you and that I could continually grow and I could reckon myself. I could imagine myself somehow like you who I'm so far away from, but I have faith that one day God will bring me to the fullness and the completeness and the maturity in Jesus. Y'all, this is our hope, no matter what you've done in the past, that God wants to grow you, that God wants to equip you, and God wants you to walk in the fullness of life. So why is this important? It's important for your experience of life, but it's also important for the testimony that we, that we give to the world around us. God named Leslie Newbegin, he said this, he says, we must live in the kingdom of God in such a way that it provokes questions for which the gospel is the answer. Y'all, God would have us be transformed in such a way, be so full of honor, be so full of joy, be so full of love that the world around us would beg to know what is it about you? And we can say, I know someone who knew everything that I ever did and he loved me anyway and his name is Jesus. And I'm walking through life with other people and I'm trying to be like him. And I can invite you along the way. But the problem is, y'all, so often our world is not asking for an answer for the hope we have because we get caught up in religion. We get caught up in religious ideas. 
instead of recognizing, man, we are lost and we're broken without Jesus, but we're gonna still aspire to be like him. And so I wonder, is there any area in your life, I wanna start, I wanna do a few things, just do some soul searching. Is there any area in your life where you need to get back to good pretending? Like an, an area you've been fighting, a mindset, a sin, something you know God's asked you not to do. You need to take some time and just imagine and keep fighting with him. Keep leaning on his grace. Second question. Are, are there any areas where you've just let posturing and hypocrisy like nobody really knows who you are? And maybe everybody around you thinks you got it all together, but you don't. And, and you love Jesus and you know Jesus, but you're really not able to lean back into that grace. You're doing the bad pretending. Maybe you need to let somebody in on it. The third question I've got is, is what's your view of the word of God? Do you, do you believe it can bring you life? Do you, can, do you believe it can bring you hope? Here in a moment, we're, we're gonna sing a song. Uh, my friend Rico, wherever he's at, is gonna sing it. Um, and there he is. Hey, Rico. Um, it's a song called The Pride of the Father. Y'all, we do not achieve, we do not walk in holiness, we don't walk in obedience from a place of, of our power, but we walk in it through God's power. And the only way to do that is to really believe he loves us, to really believe he's proud of us. So I just want you to take some time and, and reflect and ask yourself two questions. God, what are you saying to me? And what are you asking me to do about it? Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.